Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall and is going to have a 60-minute time limit. We are back. Thank you for bearing with us last week. Rob and I needed to step away for, for a little bit due to some scheduling, but we are back this week and better than ever. And you know what, man? You better start just calling me Frank Costanza, and it's December 23rd because I got some grievances and I'm about to air them out. We're going to get started here with the WWE side of things today. We're going to go over Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Uh, we're going to save AEW for the next episode, which is going to be the AEW preview for Revolution. So we're just going to lump all that together. But uh, for now, like I said, I got some grievances with uh, with WWE this week, and I'm ready to start airing them out. What do you think? I, I tell you what, none of it was good this week. Uh, this this product, I I really have to question who hates who, because they have an entire roster filled with talent. And yet we're somehow subjected to yet another Dominic Mysterio match. And it's just driving me nuts. That's not that. You know what? Look, we've seen this for years, though, where they have these random mid card matches and everything like that. And it gets sent down the looks. I don't I don't even want to get to SmackDown right now just because Raw in itself was such a pain in the ass for me. And I just I I'm going to there's going to be two things that I liked about it. Number one, the Drew and Sheamus match was surprisingly good. It was a good, hard-hanging affair from start to finish and a really decent match between the two of them. Number two, congratulations to Bobby Lashley for actually winning the title. Yes, it is deserved. Good for him. However, I hated everything about the way that he won it. I get the impression they're, they're blowing it all up. Like a month before, more or less, before WrestleMania, they know Raw has not worked in months so let's just blow it in the main event picture. Let's just blow it all off. See what happens. At least I hope that's what it is because this is just terrible. You know, Bobby Lashley deserves that title because the Hurt Business for almost a solid year has been the only good thing on that show week after week. And I don't disagree, but the way he got the belt makes zero sense to me. Here, here, here comes some grievances. One. You're going to set up, okay, the, the the way The Miz handled this was great. It was the perfect heel champion opportunist kind of style. He bailed on the first match. The second match, he just booked it. So technically it was a match. He got disqualified, but it's a match. It goes down in the books. But then you have the Lumberjack match. At no point in the night did they step up or separate Bobby Lashley to say he is now a, a good guy. There was this was yeah. a, this was a heel versus heel championship match, which ended up in a ladder match where the Miz gets thrown to retribution. The only thing retribution has done since they actually came to WWE. First, why the hell is retribution, this alt radical faction out there for a lumberjack match? If you don't need to have your big stars out there, you don't need retribution out there. They're supposed to be these like rebels without a cause. They renegades. shouldn't be out there in the first place. Yes. If they're going to be renegades, they don't need to be out there. The second problem, the Miz gets thrown to them and they help Bobby Lashley, the person that they spent the entire first month of their existence once they actually became named and signed to Raw, quote unquote, they help him to win the world championship. I, I couldn't, I, I, it, it's the dumbest way. Here's, here's my booking for this should have gone as such. Last week, Drew McIntyre doesn't show up after Elimination Chamber. Bobby Lashley calls in his, his chip. Perfect. This week, Bobby and Miz, heel match, one-on-one. -on -one. 
McIntyre comes out after the bell and just wrecks shop or even Strowman. One of them wrecks shop. Now you set yourself up for a triple threat match at fast lane for the title where you can have Miz drop the belt to somebody. If you don't want Drew in there, then you put Braun in there instead because you can still get his bullshit out with Shane in that three weeks between uh, Fastlane and actual WrestleMania. But you have The Miz as the heel chicken shit champion fighting against these two beasts incarnate, basically, in the <laughs> ring. And if you want the, if, if The Miz ends up pulling up ratings and you want to keep him in the picture, you have the opportunity to do that because he can take advantage and take the opportunity. Or... You can put the belt on Lashley by him taking out Miz and Drew's not even involved. Maybe it could be because Sheamus comes out and interferes. Maybe because the Hurt Business comes out and interferes to continue the actual heels fight of that. But they didn't do that. They had this weird thing where not only that, but you completely burn down the bridges of kayfabe by having a timer that says when the match is going to start. So you're telling me there are seven minutes before it's seven minutes to 10 p.m. It is 9.53 and you've got two people walking to the ring for a match. You are all but guaranteeing this match is going to take six minutes. You're not giving any yeah. kind of air to the idea that this match could go for 30 minutes or could go for 20 minutes. You're saying with this big countdown clock on the screen, we don't give a shit anymore. This match will not take more than six minutes. It's supposed to be a hotly contested affair, but it's only going to take six minutes. We guarantee it. You know what? Go off the air with it. Go off the air with it. Let people tune into the network to find out what happened or find out what happened next week. Like, announce it on the network. Just anything other than the rush. And to your point, the only way any of this makes sense, because they're clearly invested in the Seamus-Drew angle, which I'm fine with, by the way. That's the best angle the two of them have been in all year. The only way any of this makes sense is Brock Lesnar comes back at WrestleMania. That's mm. the only way it makes sense. Because as of right now, there is no challenger for Bobby Lashley. I thought I thought Drew and Sheamus, I thought that was the blow-off. A solid 30-something minute match, that could have been the blow-off. And again, I've been harping on it for, for two months now. There is still Fastlane, and the only thing we know about Fastlane right now is, Daniel Bryan, is Daniel Bryan versus Roman. And for whatever reason, which is a grievance I will get into shortly, Naomi, uh, not Naomi, uh, Nia and Shayna versus Bianca and Sasha again for the women's world champion with the women's tag championships. So those are the only two matches though, that are basically guaranteed now, probably Apollo and E, although they should probably carry that story to mania as well. So they'll probably just have two matches for that. Ali and riddle started up, started up something this week where, you know, Ali completely missed the finish, but he still got the win. So that's really all that matters. Um, you know, so they'll hey, be able to uh, carry Sean, I have to interrupt you just for a second. I, I, I need to know something. How do you feel about this storytelling as a product that they've been doing for six months? Because what I don't understand is it's the same writing team for Raw and SmackDown. Both of them are overseen by Bruce Pritchard. I mean, SmackDown has a little more input because Paul Heyman's there, but it's the same writing team. It's the same creative team. Hunter is, is taking over the show at Gorilla. So explain to me why NXT hasn't lost a step. SmackDown is lights out. But Raw is a slog to get through week after week after week with inconsistent storytelling at best. Not And like the little things, like I said last week, that somehow Apollo Crews developed an accent mid-promo. You know, and this week he came out full Prince of Zamunda. So like exactly where, where does the rubber meet the road 
with I think, this type of storytelling. I mean, to answer your question, I think with Raw specifically, Hunter may be the man behind the curtain sitting in corner, like gorilla position. So he's the guy behind the, you know, he's the guy right behind the, the scenes controlling everything that's happening in the show. But Vince is still calling the shots. He's still having conference calls, dialing in and, and fixing the script for Raw. Like he may not be sitting, it's actually sitting behind the curtain, but he's still controlling the puppet. I mean, he's still got his hands on the strings. He's still pulling the strings that actually dictate then how the story's going to go. I also think that SmackDown, it may be that they're willing to do more or have these better players on SmackDown because they're trying to keep this deal with Fox happy because they just sold to the Peacock Network. We talked about that, where that's a little bit of an oddity because this is an NBC-owned network that is now going to have a Fox property on it because SmackDown is a Fox property. Right. I think they're more worried about keeping SmackDown and keeping Fox happy than they are keeping USA happy because they just made this big deal. And there's a whole bunch of other elements going into the USA NBC side where I just first, first off, I don't think they're really caring as much. And I don't think USA is having nearly as much input. I think Fox also has some more input on the way these stories are going and what they want to see. I think Roman has a lot to say in how his story's going. I think Bray has a lot to say how their stories are like the wrestlers who actually have more say in how their stories are going. That's where it's stepping up where the ones who actually have that leeway and have that, that rope are stepping up and stepping over and, and impressing us. And it's finally something that we want to see because it's these guys being able to be their natural selves outside of, Apollo Crews finding it going so natural with his natural self that he developed a, a, the the Nigerian accent. But <laughs> to your point, though, you know the, these guys are are being able to just be more themselves. Daniel Bryan is being able to be more himself. The the uh, and it also goes back to to I think like the after shows, Raw Talk and Talking Smack. The, the two things that those have always done is they've helped to elevate somebody unexpected because again they don't script those nearly as much. A guy can go on there and just do his thing. That's what helps Cesaro. That's what helped the Miz way back when he finally, when he cut that amazing promo that we still don't know if it was a shoot or not against DB. You have those capabilities, but they're not doing that. Uh, but then now when you go out and do it, you've got Caleb, uh, Caleb Braxton and Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman's going to know the question to ask and he's going to know how to prod and he's going he's gonna to know how to help the wrestler help themselves by asking the right questions. Meanwhile, Raw Talk, you've got Charlie Caruso and I think R-Truth. I don't know if Samoa Joe is doing it week to week, but I know right. R-Truth has been hosting a lot. R-Truth is just there as a comedy spot. This is this is a glorified, it's a glorified late night talk show when R-Truth is on because he just, he's just cracking jokes and trying to make people laugh. Now people still get it, get over, but at the same time, they're, they're not, it's not taken to the same level of seriousness. You don't have Samoa Joe, because Samoa Joe could do that. Samoa Joe could be put in that spot and and help elevate them in the similar fashion that Paul Heyman does. Joe's in-ring career is over. I don't uh, think- They haven't announced it, but I think it is. I, I don't think so. I just think, look, I mean, look at all the people that have come back from just neck injuries. Now he's just had concussions. The only other person that's really dealt with that to where they've completely retired was Corey Graves. So I do understand where you're coming from with that. But- I, I still wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to have Joe come back. I think Joe is much more because Joe's concussions or injuries were so much more spread out than Corey's Corey's happened very quickly and a very short time frame and very early in, in his, in his uh, WWE career. I, I think that's why he just basically 
figured it was for the best and you know was, he's he's been taken care of his family's been taken care of so i think you you need to look at taz when taz became a part-time commentator taz really had the attitude of this is a lot easier i'm being paid the same amount i'm not getting injured and i'm getting more tv time than i've ever gotten i think there's a lot to be said for that are you talking, you know, are, you talking his, are you talking his wwe run Yes. Yeah. It, it's just it's just the way it is, and, and I think I think Joe is better served in his current role because they clearly didn't know what to do with him. When think about it, when he wasn't with AJ Styles, he had middling to best feuds because they never they never followed up on him and Kevin Owens from NXT. Uh, they they never did anything beyond uh, he and Finn Balor when they were both on the same brand. Because they never gave him, again, talking about the character themselves, they never gave Joe the chance to just be Joe. They wanted him to be WWE's Joe. And WWE's Joe can't be as hard-hitting, he can't be as aggressive, and he can't be as just plain ruthless. Something has to give on Raw, because, uh, like I said, I think the, the plan going forward for them is to blow it all up. You got rid of your champion two months ahead of time. You got a new champion. And you can't cut the nuts out from him because you spent six months building him up to be this destroyer. So Bobby Lashley is your champion going into WrestleMania. He's your champion going into WrestleMania, but he may drop the belt to Drew because they just want Drew to be able to win the championship in front of a crowd. Because presumably tickets for WrestleMania are going to go on sale this week and they're going to have 30, uh, 50, you know, 50, 5,600. I don't know what the number is, but they're going to have people in the stands. I don't know how it's going to work because it's not like football, like where you can have everything so spread out and so wide and it still carries, you need to have everything more condensed for wrestling, but we'll see what they end up doing. But at the same time, you've got these people where I, I think Drew is just going to, they're just holding off. So Drew can now finally win in front of a crowd since he didn't get to have that moment last year, which means Bobby Lashley has the potential of being a more transitional champion than Kofi. He's not even going to get the same chance that Kofi got when arguably he's much more dominating and the much easier presence to say that he should be able to carry this belt for nine months on his own. No questions asked. I think they're going to build up that hurt business. I think if, or if, uh, or truth, if MVP didn't get hurt, he would have been in line for a, a USA title. Not USA. I'm sorry. Uh, intercontinental belt. No, you, you, oh, no, I was, I was right the first time. The USA, yeah. US belt. Um, because if you have a faction that already has a couple belts, you may as well get all of them. Uh, and they have nothing, they literally have nothing else going on on that show other than The Fiend. So play to your strengths. I, I feel I feel they've given up on Raw. I think Raw has been given up on until at least after Fastlane and certainly until Mania. And then we'll see what happens from there. Because there is such a stark difference between the shows. I, I would put NXT over Raw every week at this point. And NXT... You know, you can make the argument doesn't have the name recognition of the people on it, but the difference between Raw and NXT is everybody has a story. Everybody has something worthwhile going on going forward. If it is not The Fiend and if it is not The Hurt Business and a little bit for McIntyre, there's nothing else going on. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Well, I mean, obviously the Miz, had something, the Miz had something up until Money in the Bank. The other one that got completely derailed, which I just uh, I read some about in the internet wrestling community, was the Charlotte uh, the Charlotte Lacey saga was apparently Lacey was supposed to possibly take the belt from Oscar. I'm not sure how, 
but Lacey was supposed to end up with the title on her and she would have gone to Mania to fight Charlotte, which I don't know how I would have been okay with. Like, I mean, that seemed to be where they were leading, but it seemed to be where they're leading. Out there. It would have been, it would have been an, in, I feel like it would have been an insult to Asuka to just have her lose the belt to Lacey out of nowhere without some kind of like major interference spot from Ric Flair or something like that. But we'll never know what's going to happen there. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, let's 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 move on. Rhea Ripley is coming up, so maybe that'll add some sort of juice to that division. But I almost think at this point you're just setting yourself up. Good. You're just setting yourself up for a triple threat match now. You're gonna have Rhea, Shane. You're gonna have Rhea, Oscar, and Charlotte in a triple threat because you don't want to just replay Charlotte and Rhea. So you can have them in a triple threat. I mean, they will put on a hell of a match. Don't get me wrong. Like we were talking about the NXT women's triple threat from a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were, we weren't really sure how it was going to go. This one we know would be uh, a, a barn burner. Now, the other thing that you mentioned, you were saying that raw has no, nothing else on raw makes any sense. And you're, and you're right, basically. I mean, you've got Damien Priest and, and Bad Bunny just messing around doing whatever. And they just want that because they want Bad Bunny on TV because then it gets, it gets uh, right. people watching. And they, they clearly believe in Damian Priest. They clearly think he's the future of it. Yet at the same time, they're giving him basically nothing to do. Right, he's looked terrible, by the way. Like they they're building him up to look like a million bucks. But he his work rate and what he's done in the ring has not been impressive. Like This is not the same Damian Priest that we had in NXT. Well, it kind of is. Because even in NXT, he didn't have these great drawn out matches and if he did it was with one of the guys that could go it was with gargano or it was with somebody who could help carry a match like that like the match with uh priest and elias this week was was good but and it was long but it was just you know it it wasn't it wasn't very it wasn't really i i don't i hate to say it wasn't exciting but it just in comparison to drew and sheamus it was far far worse yeah and I think that's the, and that's kind of the problem. If you want to have these like really long matches with him, and you're going to put that up against a really another really long match with two other guys who have who have been doing this forever, then like, I mean, you need to reorganize it, or you need to find a way to have it a little bit more entertaining. They had two guys on the outside that did absolutely nothing, which didn't help, which didn't help anything. Uh, and then the only thing, the only thing I want to point out with Damian Priest is that I called it. They changed his finisher from the Reckoning so that they didn't have yeah. to mess with Retribution's name. So that was surprising. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, speaking and then of outside, Retribution, yeah, speaking speaking of Retribution, Retribution solves a lot of problems for them, and they're not and they're not using it. You have how many people are in this faction now? Eight, seven, something like that. Five, five. All right, you can have five different individuals working five different angles in five different weight classes yep. doing five different things and then coming together at the same time like that solves so many of your problems but they, for whatever reason they're just treating it as if it's one entity that can only be together at any given time the reason why the four horsemen worked 25 years ago is because you had the tag champs you had the world champ and you had someone who's the usa champ and they all had individual angles going on but they were all there to support the champ you don't even need to go back that far. Just go back as far as evolution. That's exactly yeah. what it was. You had Randy. You had Randy going for the IC. Triple H was the world heavyweight champion, and Batista and, and Ric Flair were going for tag belts. I mean, it. It. I, I. I agree with you, but the problem is, and we talked about this countless times as well. They dropped the ball in retribution from the beginning. The fact that they officially signed to Monday Night Raw as this renegade faction made zero sense. They should have been left as free agents. They should have been left off the draft. 
And then they chose to come to Raw to, to mess shit up. And they didn't. And now they're signed, and now you have them in Lumberjack matches, and you have them assisting the guys that they literally spent the first month of their technical career or their technical group forming fighting. You've got all you these- know what? Nex- Nexus did this storyline, and they did it better. Oh, 100%. And Shield, I mean, Shield did the storyline, and they did it better when they first came in. And that was only three of them. So it's just, I look, we, we talked about it again. Congrats to Bobby Lashley. It's great. I am happy to see it. The rest of what we saw, though, was just, I, I, it's just, it's the shrug emoji because I don't know what the end games are, the end game is for a lot of this now. Like, AJ Styles wasn't anywhere to be seen this week. So, what is he doing at Mania? Because currently it's nothing. He doesn't have a story. I mean, well, Braun we'll, Strowman is clearly going to be with, um, in my opinion, he's definitely going to be with Shane O'Mac. Oh yeah, you you called that you called that a couple weeks ago. That's that's one hundred percent going to be the case. But, but you yeah. know what? What are we going to do with the women's tag team division? Well, the, because I I know everybody likes Nia Jax. I know she's part of the wrestling royalty, and everybody is is very enamored with her backstage. She is not just terrible in the ring; she is dangerous in the ring. Which is, again, we, people have talked about ad nauseum. But she also is a charisma vacuum in the ring. Like when she, she cannot tell a story in the ring with her work. And I don't know what they're trying to do. And this is doing nothing but hurting Shayna Baszler. This tag, these tag belts should go to the, the two women from NXT. They have them defended across all three brands like it's supposed to be. And build up Shayna Baszler, give her the Ronda Rousey treatment. Because well, she's the natural heir to it. Then let, let's let's take it to that. Let's go to the let's go to NXT then and talk about the women's tag team championship match. Really good swerve. I liked how Adam Pierce shows up and sends a raw referee down after a really good match. You I I don't disagree with you that Nia Jax is generally a charisma killer, but that match was still a great match between those four women. Dakota Kai, not the legal competitor, gets gets put in the Kirafuda clutch by Shayna. And then they have Adam Pierce sends the ref down to call for the bell, keeps them out of that. Now, instead of the natural story, which would be, let's give them a rematch at Fastlane, you you instead say, no, we're going to give Bianca and Sasha another tag team match for no reason whatsoever. We're going to ignore a completely different brand. We're going to go to a completely different brand. We're going to ignore the natural storyline that was already progressing on Raw. Between, for the with with the tag belts, we're going to ignore this screw job here with the NXT women's tag belts, and we're just going to once again slap together two singles competitors from SmackDown who are supposed to be fi- who are supposed to be fighting on at WrestleMania. And you know what? What the hell? Put the belts on them because the belts aren't going to be defended the right way at Mania anyway, no matter who's got them. So may as right. well give them to Shayna and and Bianca and or, uh, Sasha and Bianca, and they don't even have to worry about them trying to be defended. And instead, you've got William uh, William Regal saying he's going to have a groundbreaking announcement, which is literally just going to be giving and creating another set of championships, and it's just going to be the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. I hate that. I do hate that because you have you have this unique gimmick with the Women's Tag Team Championships being defended across all three brands. Now, you and I have talked about this in the past. 
in my opinion, there should only be one WWE champion. I think he should spend a month on each brand. And while he is away from the brand on the other brand, that brand should build up the IC or USA title and have that be like, just in the old days, the way Ric Flair would come into the territory for two months and leave. When he was not there, everybody was focused on the world-class championship wrestling belt. And when Ric Flair came back, one of the Von Erichs were going to defend it. Like it, it's, it, it needs some sort of cohesion and they don't have it. You know, that, that's why I like the idea of this women's belt being the, the main belt that every woman on the roster should be trying to, like they, there should only be one women's champion. So you have this unique gimmick with one championship going across three brands. And I think it should be defended every show, more or less. Or maybe not defended every show, but they should wrestle every show or appear on every show at the very least. So just, I don't, to, just to show you that there's some consistency to it. I don't disagree. The, the women's... I don't actually have a problem with there being two women's champions just because they're without... If there's only one women's belt, there's just too many on the roster right now without some kind of then women's mid-card title. To your point, the reason that your your theory works with having the IC and the US elevated on either show while the one world heavyweight champion passes between the two shows is that those mid-card titles can then be built up. And then while those mid-card titles are being built up, you can have a separate storyline with these main event players who no longer have a belt to fight for to fight each other for the number one contendership at the pay-per-view or next time, you know, Roman Reigns comes to town, whatever the case may be. <laughs> with the women's with the women's belts if you take away one of the women's world championships, you don't have that same, that same build. You can't have all eight women fighting for a number one contendership and not have any, and not have anything else for them to do because that's how you're losing it. You're already losing women from the women's division. Just like that. Where, where did Peyton Royce go? She's just been gone. Now Please don't get me started. Please don't get me started on that because my eternal frustration, the Iconics were a gift they were a gift to the wrestling world. They were wonderful. They weren't terrible as workers, but their charisma and their gimmick was great. It, I could argue that they have been the best part of NXT while they were in it. They were so much fun and enjoyable. Their backstage segments were always on point. And then you break them up to do what? They are Put them in two other teams. They are literally the only technical tag team to win the women's tag team championships since since their inception, because Sasha, it's the the argument can be had that Sasha and Bailey, yes, they were friends and they could be a tag team, but they were also bona fide singles competitors on on all on all fronts before before coming in. I mean, the Iconics was basically your only actual tag team, and yeah, yeah. You, you just you you blew the coop on that. All right, I mean, all right, but regardless, if the big announcement is going to be the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, I just I completely disagree with it. I, I get what why they would want to do it, but then you're once again just taking an extra step to segregate NXT from the rest of WWE. It is no longer going to be a brand that intermixes and makes any sense. They're never going to be a part of the draft. They're never going to be part of Survivor Series. You might have two guys or three, three, two or three people running in during the Royal Rumble. They're probably never going to show up on Romania. Like you're just completely outcasting them if you're going to also then get rid of this, this women's tag team championship thing, because as we talked about, that was a, that was a definite opportunity that never was, was done right. I think, it, I think the belts were only actually defended twice uh, on NXT 
I, I, Sasha and Bailey did it once, and then Dakota and and Shayna did uh not Dakota, Shayna and Nia did it once, and that was it. Yeah. So that that whole that whole concept was completely botched. Yeah, and and they've wasted it. But again, it's time and again, it's the raw stink. You know, the the raw stink is on these people at at one point or another, and it you can't get anything done. You you can't nothing makes sense on Raw, and anytime anyone shows up on Raw and then comes away from it again nothing makes sense like it ruins whatever momentum they had in their normal character it ruins the the flow of the work it, it I, I just don't understand it they 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 need some sort of backbone for the show like if you, i hate to go back to the attitude era. Every, everybody goes back to the attitude era. but the two things you can always say about that is one everybody on every go to any rank go on the network go in any random show any role that you watch, everybody has a storyline. If they are on television, they're getting some sort of storyline. There are stakes for everything. And through it all, the Austin saga, they talk about it. He's in the background. They go to segments to him. You know, and the best thing about Austin was when he was in the ring and he was cutting a promo, the man never stopped moving. He was stalking from one side to the next, to the back. He was always moving. He was always engaging. Now everything with them is so stoic. Everybody stands in the middle of the ring. They give their same 15-minute promo. Someone inevitably interrupts them from the stage, setting up a weird tag team or whatever the fuck it is in hour three. It is terrible storyline. I'm sorry, it's terrible storytelling with no through line and no stakes. I know you hate thrown together tag teams. I agree. I don't mind thrown together tag teams when they become something. But if you're just going to throw them together only to just let them drift apart later on, then who fucking cares? Why bother? To, if you don't care enough to, to write your storyline the right way, then you shouldn't expect your viewers to pay attention as closely as need be. You know what? Randy Orton's a great example. We didn't get to him yet. Randy Orton and The Fiend. Neither one of those guys, well, neither one of those guys, every yell, everything they do, they quietly speak to the camera. They quietly, they make you lean into it. They make you pay attention because they are not. Well, let me tell you something, brother. They don't do any of that bullshit. You know, the fiend never speaks. The fiend never shows up unless he's there. Bray Wyatt speaks. Yeah. Bray Wyatt is the Paul Heyman for the fiend. And he never yells. He never gets upset. He gets that weird, eerie stillness. Randy Orton, I don't think, has emotions. 30 minutes elapsed. That's why the her business is the same thing. No one's ever yelling there. When Bobby Lashley is there to do some well, business, someone's getting hurt. And I don't even like Bobby Lashley. MVP, MVP, occasionally, MVP occasionally does yelling, and Cedric Alexander only yells, but I get your point. Yeah, it's it's just they it's what makes them unique. There needs to be some like someone needs to take the reins. No pun intended. Someone needs to take the reins and sort of corral that writing staff and or or let your performers perform don't cut promos just go out there we're gonna have matches tonight i don't know i don't need to know why everybody's upset with each other give me ricochet and ali i will watch that all night long yeah well i mean that yeah that was basically main event for like a month because apparently main event's still on and i just didn't even know but to your point really? about it's still on the air? To your point about the, the the attitude era and these guys coming out and all having a story, that's what NXT is doing right. Every match 
and every segment from NXT this week had a reason. It, you start out where you have you have uh, Oni Lorcan and, and Danny Burch and Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, mainly because MSK, uh, the one dude broke his hand, so you can't have that tag match like you wanted to. So you just find a way to... to... And thank God. Right. Oh, my God. That match, Oni Lorcan, Danny Burch, I love that team. I've loved that team for years. If you're going to tell me Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa are going to stand in the ring with those two guys, and all four of them are going to beat the shit out of each other for 20 minutes, I'm going to sit there with popcorn and not move. What I like all the time. The other element I liked about it, because this is just, again, you want to talk about slow builds. It's the last two, the, the last month, two weeks of Imperium promos with nothing more, just a random Imperium promo. Last week, uh, Alexander Wolf shows up to confront Killian Dane about you used to be a badass. Like, what are you doing clowning around with, with Drake Maverick? And now this week you've got what is Fabian, Eich, not Fabian Eichner. It's uh, Eichner Wolf and, and the other guy, <laughs> other, other guy. I'm trying to Martel, uh, Bartel. You've got Bartel talking to Thatcher. And for those that are unaware for whatever reason, Thatcher used to be in the Imperium that existed outside of wrestling in the independent circuit called ring comp. And he was a key member of Ringcom. So you can 100% imagine that Timothy Thatcher may be joining an Imperium. Imperium pops up on the stage, which is what kind of cost Ciampa and Thatcher this match. So this could lead to a feud to them. Who knows how Killian Dane's going to get involved. But you've got Imperium joining in. And now suddenly there's a bunch of question marks that are going to be happening. Then you've got the Roderick Strong. Go ahead. Can, can I give you my, my take on that? A little fantasy booking. Because at first, it was only the, the tag team. Eichner and, and the other guy uh, were in NXT for a little while. And all of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, Wolf shows up. And now they've been slowly building their presence. I think it is only a matter of time before Walter sends his regards. I and don't Walter comes. I, and, I don't disagree. And I think you, you are perfectly right that this is storytelling 101. They're building upon building upon building. And then when, let me tell you, man. You and I both know, and for people who do not watch what, uh, NXT UK, you are missing out because when Walter comes to you to NXT, that is going to be like a bomb that drops. The Imperium is going to just change the landscape on every level. That's how good these guys are. Walter barely speaks English, but man, this guy has a presence and a charisma to him. He's not even that great a worker, but there is something about him that you watch. No, that the old a, Vince McMahon line that you, when you see him, you know he's somebody. No, he's he's a great worker. He he can lay it in. If you go back to see some of the matches, like the Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate matches, he can make a small guy he can make a small guy look like Hercules, or he can just look like Goliath himself and beat the snot out of David. I just and don't know. Please, please bring me Tyler Bate. Bring me the head of Tyler. Bring the strong strong young man here. And 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 probably that's the reason that. Undisputed Era is possibly being split in this situation. You don't want to have two major heel factions. You don't want them as faces. And now you've got Walter coming in, who's going to probably go after Finn and the the NXT Championship. So you you don't want to have two four man factions or whatever the case may be in these two dominating things. Perhaps that's why they're going with this split. Uh, Roddy, I mean Roddy Strong in the ring. Uh, 
you know, has Balor come out. Balor challenges Cole to a title match next week, but fights Roddy tonight. Roddy comes out, no undisputed era music, garb, anything like that. He's just Roddy Strong. And it was, I mean, it was a good match, you know, not nothing to write home about. And then it just ends with Cole at the top of the ramp to, to end the show. Pretty, pretty solid booking. But again, everything had a point. And, and storytelling. When does the champion call anybody out? Especially that yeah. champion. His whole thing was, I don't watch this business. This business watches me. But now he's so pissed off. Like, no, no, I, you, you want to come for the king. You best not miss. Now you got my attention. But they can do this, so they can do this, and they can have this this serious tone. And then also on NXT, they can go to the complete opposite side and have these wacky, ridiculous situations where it's still entertaining as hell and believable. So you had the therapy session with the way, where Austin <laughs> Theory was where Austin Theory was bummed that they weren't going to Chuck E. Cheese, and they have the whole nonsense where Indy's still crushing hard on Loomis, and Theory's still trying to say that Loomis is just a super chill dude. Until and you know, got to kick Johnny out. So Johnny's gonna blow up Candace's phone like with questions and stuff. And then the the therapist is gonna sit there and tell Austin, uh, I actually spoke to Loomis. Wait, he doesn't talk. Well, he talked to me, and he thinks you're <laughs> the most annoying person in the world. Sends Austin out of the room crying. Johnny pulls out the wad of cash, and then at the end, just and again, this was the piece de resistance for me. The 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 open to close because it was three separate segments on the show. They open with Austin being upset that they're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. It ends with Johnny taking a couple hundred dollars back to, to tell the therapist arcade money and goes running out the door saying, Austin, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese, my buddy. <laughs> On, and then, so you have that, which I, I loved. And obviously it's leading to a Loomis, a Loomis Gargano storyline for the NXT North American Championship. But the second thing, which you, you again, to make everything make sense You've got Cameron Grimes trying to be the worst million dollar man in history between last week, not being able to do the, like get the basketball dribble uh, done. And now this week trying to pay off Bronson Reed, but that also then led to LA Knight coming in. And to your point with Stone Cold moving around the ring, that LA Knight promo had that same feel. He was constantly moving. He's pointing. He's, he's very engaging. He was taking he's on magic. Every- he was taking on angles that the cameraman weren't even used to in NXT because they had to get too far over and they didn't know how, how to really crop him. And to that point, yes, he, he is definitely driving those, those points home and getting it done. And he then comes back and interferes with Bronson Reed to start his feud down the line. And Cameron Grimes can just keep throwing money around and it's brilliant. So I, I really love the, the busted down million dollar man. Cause um, I'm waiting for the day when he loses all of his money. Well, it's got to be something like literally he, you know, last week with the, with the basketball sketch and the, the, the final guy, when he just finally punches him in the face, he punches him in the <laughs> face, but still drops all this money on him. Like, it's not even like, it's not even like he saved those thousands of dollars. He just straight up punched him in the face and spilled all this money on him. But, you know, I mean, it, it you can hear the tone in our voices talking about NXT versus what it was when we were talking about Raw. I have a smile on my face now. I came yeah, into I mean, this it's, it's so much fun all the time and I don't even like Cameron Grimes and I think he's an engaging funny performer in that in that segment in that angle you know I I get I get really creeped out with Dexter Loomis the silent leather daddy just showing up out of nowhere and possibly molesting uh Austin Theory it 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 disturbs me but it's intriguing 
it's you intriguing, know, it's, but it's also it's also done in a way we were talking about it. We weren't really sure how the whole literal Dexter serial killer thing was going to vibe. And then it made sense when you have Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae trying to sell it and they're doing it with comedy where he comes back and he's in the cutoff and the short shorts and the, and the, and the slides and, and whatnot. And Austin's like, no, it was fun. And Johnny's like, he chloroformed you. I will you never were, get past him being chloroformed. And you were but the best part about this, no one noticed. They chloroformed the biggest guy and then they just kept walking. It was awesome. You it was so you, much fun. You were chloroformed and kidnapped for three days. What do you mean he's a nice guy? It's just, it's the way, it's the right <laughs> way to do it. Because like Undisputed Era, because even when it happened to Undisputed Era, it was Roddy being afraid of trunks and he had to go to therapy. Everyone has to go to therapy after dealing with Dexter Lewis. But the only way that they're able to like make it be like, oh, it's okay that we're straight up chloroforming people and putting them in an unmarked white van. It's fun. Hey, we're going to have a fun time on NXT tonight. Someone's going to get chloroformed and thrown in the back of a white panel van. And when they come back, they're not the same. Yay! Yay. Also on Raw, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman possibly committed a murder. So we'll be back next week. You know, this is what we're missing in wrestling today. Crimes. <laughs> well, yeah. And when they do have crimes is, is oh, let's let's bring up the fact that Jeff Hardy has had trouble with sobriety in the past and have him hit Sheamus with a car or hit Elias with a car. Like that's yeah, that's and, and Seamus smack him with a full beer can or a yeah. beer mug. Yeah, I, uh. but you know what? That brings us happily to SmackDown, which has been lights out good for months. You can you can lay that directly at the heels at the feet of Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. So again, like the- Roman Reigns changed. Roman Reigns doesn't yell. Roman Reigns right. doesn't talk. He, he he whispers into the camera. And everybody leans in, you know, when the head of the table speaks, we listen. So a great, great show. And yes, Roman's been carrying it. However, this episode in particular, only, only half of it was good for me. The other half was just, it just, it didn't have, it didn't have any meaning. So you have the, the Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso stuff. Phenomenal from start to finish. You, you open with Bryan being passionate, calling out the fact that, I didn't want this stupid tag match with Edge at Fastlane. Nobody asked me. I still want this championship. The most embarrassing thing to me was Edge spearing Roman Reigns and challenging him while I'm passed out on the other side of the ring because I just got choked out by Roman after winning the Elimination Chamber. He brought back that passion. He called it on. He called it out on Talking Smack last week when he officially told. He he said, and I loved it. He goes, "I am going to be what I was before CM Punk even tried to say it." I'm going to be the best in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming back to being best in the world. And it was, it was solid. So he had, they have the beginning and then they have the close in the steel cage, which I guess was so that Roman couldn't interfere or they were just trying to keep them in the ring for, uh, since they got double count out last week, but regardless, it was still a great match in the cage. Roman just sits outside with Heyman leaning in and just staring intently in, in Roman's face from time to time to make sure that he's okay. But it ends, Daniel Bryan submits Jey Uso. I'll be interested to see what happens with Roman and Jey next week because, again, Roman made a point to call out that if Jey loses, he's going to disrespect, he's going to disgrace the family. So we'll see what retribution, no pun intended, uh, what retribution <laughs> Roman's going to have for Jey. Well, what was the, when was the last time Jey, Jey Uso beat Daniel Bryan? It's, it seems like, and again, like a month to, to good storytelling. 
He loses all the time, yet you seem to think he's a he's a credible threat. Who? Jey Uso. Well, he, I mean, he he beat Daniel Bryan right when this all started when with Jay and Jay became became the hand for Roman Reigns. Basically, he he beat Daniel Bryan in one of those very first matches when Daniel Bryan was putting everybody over left and right. Jay and he Uso, beat him up. Yeah, Jay Jay Uso got a couple Jay Uso got a couple victories out of that, so that that's not too too surprising there. I mean, the other one then, talking about buildups, I mean, Cesaro has a quick match against Murphy. It was nice to see Murphy back on TV again, but to what end? Like, you just spent months telling me that he wasn't going to be part of Seth, you know, he wasn't going to be with Seth Rollins anymore, but then they dropped the whole Buddy Murphy's going to marry into the Mysterios and all that nonsense. So now Murphy's just floating in space. So why not have him fight Cesaro? He loses quickly. Um, Rollins on commentary. I mean, we're setting up for a really great match between Rollins and Cesaro because that will be those, those two are good friends, and good friends make the best opponents in wrestling. But they're also complementary workers. Like yes. they, their styles match so well. And by the way, last week Cesaro looked like a million bucks. Last week he came out in his jeans, he yep. beat him up. This week he came out and showed what a great worker he is. Thankfully, he was with Murphy, who makes everybody look good. Yeah. So they're they're really building up. Cesaro, but to what end? That's my, that's my thing. Like, where are you going to put him? Well, apparently, just, just a feud with Rollins. No, apparently it's a feud with Rollins. But then there's there's talks about again more the long game here, uh, giving him some title shots over the summer, possibly over the summer, SummerSlam, or leading into Survivor Series if you can if you can continue the 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 slow build he's been doing. I think a big part of it is going to be who retains at or who, who wins at WrestleMania between Roman Reigns and Edge, obviously, because you can't turn Edge heel and you can't turn Cesaro heel when, when they're riding this high right now, uh, right. both on the face side. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I believe, again, looking at the dirt sheets or internet wrestling community, like inside information, it looks like 15 minutes. Cesaro may be in line finally for a, a title shot push, which could lead potentially to what I think would be an amazing, amazing match, which probably won't happen, but I would love to see, because I was talking about this before too, Cesaro versus Big E at WrestleMania Ooh. for a championship. Because the way that they worked when it was the New Day versus The Bar or the New Day versus Cesaro and Shinsuke, when the two of them hit the ring, that was magic. So the poten- the potential for them to go on Cesaro to somehow carry the belt at, R- at Rumble, Big E to win the Rumble, and then to have the two of them fight on the greatest stage of them all for the championship would be a dream come true for this guy. Will it happen? Probably not. Could it happen? I'm starting to believe a little bit. I don't know. You you let me write to Cesaro. I'll have him over in a month. You just I I'd have him go in the crowd. Do the old Daniel Bryan gimmick. Go right in the crowd. Like, have your Cesaro section. You stand there and go, these are my people. I'm not leaving. Who, If you want me out, you have to go through these people. Yep. He's you know, have, have it that way. Just, just you know, they, he, they just have to pull the trigger on him. He, he's got all the tools, all the potential in the world. That's your future. That's your face of the company. And they're not thinking big enough because now that they're a global brand, the guy speaks seven languages. So I think, and I think that's the thing because like English is like a third or fourth language for him, basically. So like, he's still a little rough on the mic. And I think that's the only downside, even that talking smack promo that he did about loving wrestling. 
It was great. It was from the heart and it was true. But it still, it felt like it was just missing a little something. And I don't know what that is. And I wonder if it's in my, I wonder if it ends up being, it was almost missing a little confidence because it wasn't confident, not because of what he was saying or, or what he was how? how, because he doesn't know how to find the words because again, translation and our language being the most ridiculous thing in the world half the time trying to figure out how to say certain things it causes guys who don't speak english as a first language to have to take awkward pauses and that sometimes slows it down but i don't See, disagree. I, I, I would not give him Heyman. Heyman is good with roman or someone like that or someone who doesn't talk at all like brock yeah. i would give cesaro sammy Zayn. And keep him with Sammy Zayn. Sammy's your heater. Let's let Sammy do all the work. I don't know. I, Cesaro's your guy. I or I think, or give Bo Dallas something to do. Bo Dallas, I would like to see, but both of them, Sammy and Bo. Now, I think I think Bo could do it differently, but both Sammy and Bo, I think, are too much for Cesaro. You need more of the Heyman, where it's stoic. He can get the point across. Cesaro can talk from time to time. I think Sammy. And Wait, what, what are we talking about? Bring up Malcolm Bivens. Well, I, okay, so or or put him in hurt business. Okay, Cesaro in hurt business would be a complete game changer. Uh, yeah, Malcolm Bivens. I was going to hold off on because, look, the rest of SmackDown was was dumb. I'm just going to be I'm going to be just point blank right there. Corbin and Sammy split do individual matches, Corbin wins his, Sammy loses his, whatever. Carmella fires Reginald, and now Reginald just passes himself around to the rest of the women. Nia Jax thinks <laughs> now he's going to be attached to Nia and Shayna for no stupid reason. And then you have Bianca versus Shayna, uh, Bianca versus Shayna. Again, fairly good match, but you have Reginald nonsense for whatever reason in that. And you help build up this tag team match that makes zero sense because during this week, you had Nia... Jax fight Naomi when Naomi and Lana were number one contenders for the tag team champions. Then they have a questionable finish to an NXT match where they shouldn't be tag team champions anymore, but they still are where then you go to SmackDown and just decide, you know what? We're going to throw them together against Bianca and Sh uh, Sasha again. Cause why not? Um, so look, the rest of SmackDown wasn't great, but what I wanted to still try and get to today. And I wanted to hold on. I wanted to make sure I could raw. There's one person who is still missing above everything else. And it is, it is one Keith Lee. Ten minutes Keith Lee is still not been on the show for a while. You want to talk about what to do when he comes back. There's, there's rumors that he's not, you know, he, they're just, they don't have that spark for him. I know exactly what to do with Keith Lee. What, I what know, and, and I'm surprised no one's done it before. Think of the way Keith Lee speaks, yeah. his speech patterns, and what he says. I am here, bask in my glory. Why haven't they turned him heel? Well, so he that's would what be I'm an saying. amazing heel. I don't disagree that he could be an amazing heel. Now, if you want to take that up one more level, though, you do something that would make the internet wrestling community lose their minds, and it would be the best thing for business across all brands. Malcolm Bivens becomes Keith Lee's mouthpiece. Because all you know of is when he was Stokely Hathaway, he was 
he hated Keith Lee. He wanted to destroy Keith Lee every turn. And that was across multiple promotions for months to a year to years. I don't even know the full timeline of things. But you have Malcolm Bivens jump up to the main roster to be Keith Lee's mouthpiece. Because I still don't care about Tyler Rust. But what I do care about is what Malcolm Bivens is doing, popping yeah. up behind medical popping up behind medical tables and grabbing guys when they're just getting like they finally, yeah, you're clear to wrestle if you want. And suddenly Malcolm Bivens comes out of a cabinet, basically, and <laughs> challenges a guy to the match because he's a genius. Because it's a genius play. Malcolm Bivens, I'm interested in. Tyler Rust, I have no Fs to give. Give him Keith Lee, put them together, make a dream come true. Yeah, I'm, I'm all on board. I think he needs to be a heel. The same way Roman needed to be heels for a heel for the last, what, three years? Yeah. But all the pieces are there. The way he speaks, the way he walks, the way he acts, he gives you the vibe that he is better than you, that he believes he is better than you, and he's going to tell you he's better than you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you can make him such a piece of shit that all you, I mean, just from a business standpoint, the way you do it is you make people want to see him get punched in the face. And, you know, just have him say, that was the genius of Ric Flair. Ric Flair was yeah. never the best worker in the world, but he made you want to watch him get hurt, not yep. just beaten. You wanted him hurt. Like, I look, like I said, I would love to see it. I think that's basically going to, I'm just going to put, I'm going to use that as putting the period on the WWE talk for this week. Uh, we're, I, I think I just heard we're getting close to, we're getting close to the end here. So before we end, I did want to touch base, uh, new Japan pro wrestling, the new Japan cup just began the other day. Um, a lot of, a lot of craziness happening there already. The United empire off to a great start. Uh, you had Jeff Cobb, uh, in a, in a, in a victory so far to move on in the tournament. And then great Okan ends up upsetting Tetsuya Naito, which is huge. Like Naito is normally a perennial, you know, semifinalist finalist. Uh, so for him to be out in the first round is a really big deal. And then same thing with uh, Tai Chi. Tai Chi gets upset by Haruki Goto where he's, I mean, Tai Chi has been on a roll lately and to have him ousted in the first round of, of the new Japan cup. Again, he was, I think he might've even been in the finals, if not final four last year. So very surprising for them to get, uh, ousted if you're not watching i suggest now's a great time to try and give new japan a shot because they have so many matches and the tournament for the new japan cup is a great tournament from start to finish and also they're doing a very kind of unique angle where kota ibushi holds the heavyweight and intercontinental championships and he's decided to unify those belts and it's actually kind of turning him heel and i'm not sure if it's on purpose or not but a lot of people are upset about it because of the history and lineage of both of those titles for them to be combined and basically have that history erased is kind of turning the crowd on Kota Ibushi. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if they're going basically like as, as some of the descriptions that I saw, they're turning Kota Ibushi into like the mad King. So it's almost like game of Thrones style, like the mad King and no one wants to try and step up and stop him from doing this. So if you haven't been watching New Japan, NJPWworld.com or NJPW1972.com, now's a good time to, to start checking in because a lot of those guys are probably coming to AEW sooner than later. Well, I want to also, just to change subject slightly, I want to give you a moment of joy. You and everybody who's listening to this, if you want to put a smile on your face, go back to the Elimination Chamber from two weeks ago. 
and watch when Kevin Owens is released from his pop. And the interaction he has with Sami Zayn made me smile and laugh for days. And for the life of me, Sean, I don't know why we didn't talk about it. Sammy is pleading with him, hey, buddy, let's go like the, the old days. Let's do it. And Kevin is sitting there going, yes, you're right. Yes. And then grabs him by the head and starts running back and forth between the pods, smashing Sammy into it. The genius of it is the whole time, Sammy's going, why? Why are you doing what? Why? Why? It is the greatest thing in the world. It has made me laugh consistently. So please give yourself that gift. Watch Sammy get the shit beaten out of him by his best friend. Watch Kevin Owens beat the living shit out of the Godfather to his son. And Sammy question it every step of the way. Like, it's not just, ow, please, this hurts. It's he's genuinely confused. Why? Why is this happening to me? Please enjoy that. The other moment that I did love is Kofi Kingston complimenting Randy Orton's quads. If, if you didn't hear that <laughs> When Randy comes into the yeah. ring and Kofi starts calling out his quads. Look, uh, part of the reason we didn't we didn't talk about Elimination Chamber because obviously we missed last week. But if I'm being perfectly honest, here's my last pun of the day. The other reason I really didn't want to talk about Elimination Chamber is because it was basically Times Square. It was Times Square on New Year's. There was a lot of balls dropped. So I just I just didn't want to I just didn't want to re- have to rehash a lot of that because I just felt there was so many missed opportunities um, as a whole. But I think otherwise. I'm going to tap out for this one. I, I, I'm kind of happy after starting this one real fired up. So tapping out. You're a quitter, Sean. You're quitting. You're, you're I, tapping I out. I am because we also have to talk about AEW still today. And I want to make sure that we have time to do that. But also I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a better headspace than I was when we started this conversation when it comes down, when it comes down to it. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for, for bearing with us for last week and joining us for this week. Uh, we are, I forgot to mention it too. We're also on Spotify now. You can find us on Spotify at the One Fall Podcast. Our link uh, might be a little quicker, but the link is on our Facebook as well as the Angels of Mayhem page for us. There's a little Spotify icon. You can just click on that. It will take you directly to our page and you can start following us on Spotify. Otherwise, find us at our usual places on Facebook and Instagram at One Fall Pod. We're going to try and be, as we get a little closer to WrestleMania and obviously things are building up, we're going to try and be a little bit more interactive as we go. Because like I said, we are still just getting the hang of this, but we appreciate everybody for bearing with us. And be sure to join us on the next episode. We're going to do a rundown of what happened on AEW as well as prep for Revolution, which will be airing Sunday night. Should be an insane card. And uh, we're, we're very excited to see how everything breaks down. You know, my favorite part of this podcast, Sean, is after every pod we do and after every show, I really enjoy all the messages and texts that I get on Facebook and on my phone of people telling me how wrong I am. So please feel free to correct me as we go. Jack Nicholson in the Shining style. All right. Well, on that note, once again, folks, uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of the One Fall Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. See you.